Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'd like to begin this morning with a little anecdote that I think is relevant to our message this morning. There's an elderly woman who got stopped for speeding. She was going 70 in a 40 mile an hour zone. The policeman asked her, Why were you going so fast, ma'am? She said, Sir, the side back there said 70. No, ma'am, he replied. That wasn't the speed limit sign. That was the highway number sign. This is Highway 70. Oh my goodness, she said. I'm sure glad you didn't see me back there on Highway 129. (laughs) Numbers are important. Ask any highway patrolman or mortgage banker or even a math teacher. Numbers are important. So are the numbers that we write on our checks to beautiful Savior Lutheran Church or however it is that you give your offering. We're in the middle of a series on 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 called Money Matters. And today we're going to take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 1 through 7. Hey, big spenders. Last week we found out that Corinth was the New York, Tokyo, or London of the ancient Roman world. The city's location gave it massive wealth from shipping and trading. So numbers were important to the Corinthians. They were big spenders, but not necessarily towards the church. So this morning at first, we're going to take a look at several ways that you and I work the numbers. That is, a few ways that we spend money. Perhaps you can relate to one or more of these. Some of us might be impulsive spenders. What do I mean by that? Impulsive spenders walk by a suit rack that advertises a suit for $200 and buy it because it's 50% off. And immediately when I get home, I announce, I saved $100. But... Not to get too technical here, but you paid $100, so didn't you just lose $100? Remember, when it's on sale, it's still for sale. Or maybe some of us are revenge spenders. You see this at a casino once in a while, or so I'm told. Every now and then, Ma Midwesterner, who's been good all her life, but she's sick and tired of her husband telling her that we don't have any money, so she decides to get even. And how sweet it is. Big hotel, fancy dinners, oh, and those slot machines. Right? Then there's the boredom spender. Maybe you can relate to that. I'm so bored, I have nothing to do. I can go shopping. This is typified by perhaps a woman who had all her credit cards stolen. And a few weeks later, her husband was asked if he canceled the cards. He said, heck no. The thieves spend less than my wife. 
Special interest spenders are another type. Maybe you can relate to this. This is the person who has a specific interest and then just goes bananas. One of my professors at Concordia Seminary told the story of one time when he was sitting next to a man on a plane who was reading a Harley Davidson magazine. And they engaged in the conversation. And he said, we started talking and the guy said, I live for Harleys. As a matter of fact, I'm in trouble right now with the little woman. He continued. I took half of what I make in a year and spent it on a brand new Harley. So the little woman is really mad at me. My professor thought to himself, man, I'm with the little woman. I could understand if she wanted to rip those tattoos right off your arm. Maybe some of us are status spenders. You know, that begins when we're kids, right? There was a guy in my high school, I can remember, who kind of didn't seem to have a whole lot going for him. And then one day he drove up in a 1970s Chevy Chevelle. And his stock just skyrocketed. Here come the ladies. Me? I drove my grandma's 1979 Pontiac Bonneville. Enough said. We are so tempted to become status spenders. We all want our stock to rise. Then there's generous spenders. And that's what St. Paul encourages in our reading today from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. There in verse 5, he gets at the heart of things when he wrote, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Paul here is not a manipulating fundraiser intent on forcing the Corinthians to cough up their cash. He does, however, want the Corinthians to change their spending habits and become more like the Macedonian churches and be generous spenders. Paul says in verses 2 and 3 in our reading today, For I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about you to Macedonians, telling them that since last year in Achaia, we're ready to give. And your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I am sending the brothers in order that your boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow. But that you may be ready as I said you would be. It's like I used to tell my math model students when I taught high school math during our budgeting project. Those who fail to plan plan to fail. This is true about life and especially true about Christian stewardship. If you don't have a plan to give, if you don't deliberately prepare to give, you won't. Or at least you won't give as willingly. 
In the opening verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is helping the Corinthians engage in planned giving. When we don't plan to give and then are put in a position where we feel we should give, then our tendency can be to resent it. Think back. Remember that time that you came to church with only a $20 bill in your wallet or your purse? I remember that time. I was in my 20s. And I thought about during the the service about how the lunch I was going to have with that $20 bill on Monday. Right? And obviously, because I was in my 20s, this was before COVID. And when that offering plate came by, put the $20 bill in, right? How grateful are we when that happens? Are we resentful for having to put that $20 bill in? Or not? That's the point. Paul says in verse 4, For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. The Corinthians might be unprepared to give. They might be ashamed and embarrassed, have egg all over their face. Why? Because the Corinthians had bought into the myth of more. Say that again. The myth of more. What's that myth of more? What does that look like? It's got three parts. First is the belief that having more things will make me more happy. That's what advertising does for us, right? It's built on that. You won't be happy until you buy X, Y, and Z. Whatever that is. House, boat, car, Harley, whatever it is. Okay, You fill in the blank for you. Second, having more things will make me more important. We think my valuables determine my value. If I only have a little, then I'm only worth a little. And the third thing, having more things will make me more secure. Those are the myths that we tell ourselves. It's easy to believe the myth of more. Most people give up their health in the first half of life in order to get more money. And what happens in the second half? That's right. They give up their money trying to get their health back. Be wise and figure that out in advance. Paul writes in verse 7, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly, Or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. You know, the word believe is used 272 times in the Bible. That's pretty important to believe. The word pray is used 371 times in the Bible. So is the word love. 
371 times. But the word give, the word give is used 2,157 times in the Bible. The Bible is a book about giving. And the most cheerful giver is who? That's right. That's God. God is the most cheerful giver. For He gave us His one and only Son as the perfect sacrifice in your place and mine. Jesus Christ gave His life for you and for me so that one day we can live with Him in His presence forever and ever and ever. Consider what St. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians elsewhere. Chapter 1, verse 20. For no matter... How many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. In chapter 5, verse 17, St. Paul wrote, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new, the new has come. Chapter 12, verse 9, Paul writes, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. These promises are yours in Christ Jesus. God loves to give. And when we receive the gifts of the gospel, something happens. We become more like God. We imitate Him. We don't give reluctantly or under compulsion. We give cheerfully. Some of you remember comedian Jack Benny. He had a reputation as an inflexible tightwad. And one day in a skit on his radio show, a would-be robber stopped him on the street and poked a gun into his ribs and said, your money or your life. Some of you may remember that one. And after a long pause and a few more jabs, Benny quicked, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Why is that? Because numbers are important. And so are the numbers that we write on our checks to our church. What kind of numbers do you use? How you answer that depends, perhaps, on the type of spender that you are. Whether you're impulsive, revenge, bored, special interest, Status spender? What will it take for you and I to become generous spenders? That's easy. Paul says, Generous spenders delight in Christ Jesus, who spent everything for us. And thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift of His Son, Jesus. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.